while you're turning and finding Ephesians chapter 5, just a couple things. I have some good news for you. Um, Several weeks ago, Scott gave us uh, an update on where we were with the building and financially and all that, and we shared with you that there is a gap, obviously, between now the cost of construction that has went up and uh, where we are, where, where we sit, what we can contribute to the project. And so we said to you that we would go back and try to start doing things to close that gap a little bit, as well as let the need be known to God's people and see what God would do to move his people to maybe help us close that gap as well. Well, I come back to you today uh, because uh, Scott found out this past week that after talking to our lender, our lender, now these are preliminary figures, but our lender is willing to, in a sense, close that gap by $300,000 or 60% of what we need. Yeah. That's just that's just another answer to to prayer. So we praise God for that. This Wednesday, I know that many times around the holidays, especially our midweek attendance begins to wane and then it picks back up at the beginning of the year. So conventional wisdom would say, "Jeff, don't start a new series until January." Well, guess what? I don't go by conventional wisdom. I go by the leading of God, and God led me to start a new series in the book of 2 Timothy beginning this Wednesday. So I hope you'll be able to come out and be a part of it. The whole book is about perseverance and endurance. And I don't know about you, but I think as a Christian, we need to make sure that we are are able to persevere and endure through life. Uh, again, life isn't a sprint, it's a marathon, and we're in this for the long haul. And so God wants to build his, in a sense, supernatural staying power into our life. And we're going to talk about that beginning this Wednesday. One other thing I shared with the folks on Wednesday night that I would have a brief comment uh, regarding the events of this past week in our country And uh, this is what I want to say, and and I'm primarily directing this to us, the church, the people of God. It is obvious that uh, dramatic changes are taking place in our country. Um, Many of them we are pleased with and others we are not. But one thing is for sure that um, I think for many people in this country... They could not see uh, the country continuing to go, at least politically or governmentally, in the direction it was going without us paying an even greater price for that. Something had to be done. Some, some kind of, whether you like the change or not, in a sense, it was the people of the country saying, we need change. Okay, I, I get that. But can I tell you, as a pastor that I would like to see that same kind of passion and attitude from God's people to say this. We can't continue to live our Christian life the way we're living it. We can't continue to relate to the local church. Change has to come because what we're doing right now isn't working. We have got to get away from the superficial and shallowness of Christianity today, especially in America. And we've got to go deeper with God in our worship and in the word. 
And that's on us, the people of God. That is not on those who don't know God to make those changes. That's on us. We, as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, cannot continue to go in the way that we are going. Because again, as we all know, to continue to do the same things that we're doing and expect a different result doesn't work. The only way different results come in our life is when we're willing to let God make the changes that he wants to make. And that's what I'm praying for. That not only will there be change politically in our country and governmentally, because we certainly need it, but we also need a lot of change in the church as well. Because the church over the last however many years has continued to grow very weak and impotent. And it's because we're not doing church and we're not being the people of God that God calls us to be. And so I think God is calling out the church and saying, will you rise up and will you be the people that I have called you to be? Well, with that said, we're going to be sharing with you a subject this morning that I believe that you would not hear in most churches today. But let me say this. As your pastor, I love you enough to share the truth with you. I don't want you to get to glory one day and go, our pastor never taught us that. We never knew that that was in the Bible. I don't want that to be the case. Now, what you do with the truth, that's between you and obviously the truth. But I don't want you to ever be able to say, I... Our pastor never taught us the word. We never knew that. So I'd like to have you follow with me as I read the first five verses of Ephesians chapter 5. And unlike we normally do where we sort of go around and, and literally expound and explain verse by verse, today I just want to zero in on what God wanted me to zero in on today, which is talking about our inheritance our inheritance as the people of God. So notice what he says, Therefore be imitators of God as dearly loved children, and live in love just as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us, a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. But among you there must not either be either sexual immorality or impurity of any kind, or greed, as these are not fitting for the saints. Neither should there be vulgar speech, foolish talk, or coarse jesting, all of which are out of character, but rather thanksgiving. For you can be confident, the word means sure, certain, beyond a shadow of a doubt of this one thing, that no person who is immoral, impure, or greedy, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Paul is teaching here to the Ephesians that if we are not faithful followers and disciples of Jesus Christ, and we are not allowing eternal life to truly grip our lives and transform us to be more like Jesus Christ. If we're just playing games and playing church and all of that, then Paul is 
saying something very important here. He says, you realize that your inheritance as a child of God is in jeopardy. Now, first of all, let me say this. When the Bible talks about our inheritance, it's not talking about our salvation. He's not saying that if, if this is what characterizes our life, and this is just was a representative list, if you will, of, of things, that somehow we lose our salvation. Salvation and inheritance, two different things, as we're going to see this morning. Salvation isn't based on what we do. Paul already talked about that in this letter. For by grace are we saved through faith. And you and I don't come to a relationship to God based on works or anything that you and I do. It is solely based on grace and then our response of faith to the message of God, the gospel. That's it. That's how one is saved. But that's not what our inheritance is. Our inheritance, and we're again going to see this throughout this message, is God's reward to us throughout eternity. And that reward is primarily seen in what role or responsibility or place God gives us in His earthly kingdom of a thousand years and then the eternal state. See, we've been learning here in the book of Ephesians that we have been made partakers of the divine nature, that God gives us this new man that you and I can put on every day, this super suit that we've been talking about that has in it supernatural powers to live by. And some Christians may go, well, why, why does God give us these things? And Why does God want to make us more like Himself? Because the primary purpose of God in our lives is way beyond bringing us into a right relationship with Himself. That's just the beginning. See, God always intended that you and I, He created human beings. He created us to be rulers and reigners with Him. That's always been His purpose. Go back to the book of Genesis. When God first created man and woman, he said, I have this plan. My plan is to set you into this garden and you have dominion over it. You rule, you reign, you manage it well. You become great stewards of everything that I've entrusted to you. And I put you at the pinnacle of my creation. Everything in this world that I created, I created for you to manage well. I created you to rule over, you to reign over. That's what I want you to do. That's, in a sense, the glory, if you will, that he gives to man. But when sin entered in, sin destroyed man's ability to be able to rule and reign properly and effectively. Man can't do anything effectively and efficiently now and manage anything, especially apart from God. Man messes things up rather than managing them and stewarding them well. We are not the rulers and reigners that God ever saw us to be. So when God sent Jesus into the world to redeem us 
And to set us free from the penalty and power of sin, He also gave us this new nature and all of these resources and provisions so that even in this life with the old nature that still lives within us, we could begin to learn to rule and reign because that's always been God's plan for us. And you see, after the seven-year tribulation, The Bible teaches that Jesus Christ is going to bring those of us who know Him back with Him to this earth. And especially for this message today, I'd like to suggest this. Don't even let your mind go to the eternal state. That's too much to try to wrap our arms around. But what I would like you to do, especially because Paul mentions it here in Ephesians 5, even in verse 5, where he talks about any inheritance in the kingdom. I think he's talking about the earthly millennial thousand year reign of Christ on earth. That's just what I want you to focus on today. And I want you and I to be reminded of this. That whether we die and go to be with Jesus or we are raptured out of here and then the seven-year tribulation period begins, that the Bible clearly teaches that at the end of that, Jesus brings us back with him. We accompany Jesus from heaven back to this earth. And after that, Jesus will set up his kingdom for 1,000 years on this earth. And guess who he wants to rule and reign with him for that 1,000 years? You and I. That's our inheritance. That's the plan that God has. He has not only a plan for our lives now, but he has a plan and purpose for our lives in his kingdom and beyond. And he doesn't want us to miss out on it. So he's saying to us, will you rise up and let me not only save you, but make you into the people of God that I always saw you becoming because God sees so much more potential in us than most of the time we ever do in ourselves. And God says, let me make you rulers and reigners so that you can rule and reign with me. So that you can become these great managers and stewards and help me. Because folks, whether we realize it or not, maybe we as Christians, again, don't even think a lot about this. After the seven-year tribulation and the battle of Armageddon and all that, the earth is going to need a lot of attention. The entire infrastructure of the world is going to be negatively affected through that time. And in a sense, the world is going to have to be rebuilt from the ground up. Who, who do you think is going to do that? We are. Which leads me to this quick point. We have got to change the reality of how we view the future. I think a lot of times Christians think, oh, when I die and we go to heaven... I'm just going to be that angel that's sitting on a cloud and God's going to give me a harp and I'm just going to sit up there for thousands of years and just play my harp and worship Jesus and we're just going to have a good time just floating all around. Get that out of your mind. There is nowhere that is contained in the Bible. The Bible says we're going to serve. We're going to work. Now, again, it's not going to be drudgery. It's not going to be toilsome in the sense that the earth is going to work against us like it does now and all that because of the curse of sin. But folks, we're going to have a lot to do. 
We're not just going to sit around and twiddle our thumbs. We're going to all have roles and responsibilities and assignments. And especially, again, let's just forget about eternity for a while. That thousand-year millennial reign of Christ, you and I are part of, there's going to be a lot of stuff to do during that thousand years. There's going to be the reinstitution of, of worship God's way on earth. As I said, the whole entire earth is going to have to be rebuilt. We're going to, the Bible says, even rule over the angelic realm. That even though we look at the angels as being greater than us now, because obviously they are spiritual beings and we do have this fragile flesh that the Bible promises us, that part of also God's responsibility that he wants to give us is not just to manage all the earthly affairs underneath the sovereign rule of Christ, but to manage the whole angelic realm. That's a lot to manage. That's a lot of stuff to take care of, right? Yeah. And yet that's why God gives us this new nature and begins to want to transform us into the likeness of Christ now because He wants to build us in to the rulers and reigners He always intended for us to be. I want you this day and this week to take that word inheritance out of verse 5 and really zero in and concentrate on that. Because Paul said, you realize, Christian, that not everyone will obtain that inheritance. Some Christians will lose out and miss their inheritance. Just like Christians can miss out on God's plan and purpose and will for their lives here... The same thing is true in the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ and on into eternity. There will be many Christians who miss out on their inheritance. On the role, the responsibility, the assignment, if you will, that God has for them. Yes, they will be part of the kingdom. And yes, every true believer in Jesus Christ will have God as their inheritance. But God says... If you're just satisfied with that, then you're not in a spiritually healthy place. If, if your response is, well, all I care about is that I get there. That, that's all I care. I don't really care about my inheritance. I, I don't care about what my role and responsibility is in glory. I don't care what, what uh, you know, I earn based upon my life down here on earth. I, I don't care about that. Then that, that very response shows how spiritually off you are in your life right now. To have that kind of a mindset. Because God holds out our inheritance as as an everlasting incentive and inspiration and motivation for us to live a certain way here because we understand that the way we live here and how we do the Christian life here and how we do church here and how we relate to each other here and use our gifts here and serve Him here has everlasting eternal consequences for us. Let me give you a biblical parallel. The Israelites that God saved out of Egypt. And they were saved because they trusted in God's provision. That they would slay a Passover lamb. 
and apply the blood of the Passover lamb over their door. And that they would not trust in themselves to be saved from Egypt, but they would trust in the provision of God, that lamb whose blood was spilled. That's what they trusted in. And God saved many of them, not all of them, because not all of them put the blood on their door. They didn't either believe that judgment was coming or they thought somehow they could do it themselves. But those that did were many. And God saved them, delivered them out of slavery in Egypt. But God said, that's not the end. I've got this promised land over here for you. A land flowing with milk and honey. This is your inheritance. I didn't just save you out of Egypt to just save you and then let you go and that's it. No, I have a place of inheritance for you. And as long as you keep following me and obeying me, you're going to go into that land and you're going to enjoy it. And I've got plans and purposes for you. I've got roles and responsibilities for you. There is much there that I want you to enjoy and experience. But you got to stay with me. Well, we know what the story is, right? Most of those in that generation never received their inheritance. In fact, Do I need to bring this up? Even Moses was not permitted by God due to his disobedience for ever entering the promised land. Because God, one thing God will show us throughout the word and throughout his, you know, interaction with us is I don't show any partiality or favoritism. Even someone as great as Moses was not allowed by God to go in and enjoy the promised land. Only Joshua and Caleb and the younger generation were allowed to go. The rest of them never experienced it. You think about what they missed out on. And then even when that generation finally did go in under Joshua's leadership, they never experienced the fullness of their inheritance. Now I bring that all up because in the Bible, the Bible teaches this is really a parallel of how you and I need to look at our salvation and the inheritance God has for us. And the fact that many people, just like they did in Israel, can miss out on that inheritance. If we don't wake up and begin to follow the Lord as dearly loved children and begin to imitate and follow and emulate Him and be faithful to Him. So let me share with you some verses that the Bible teaches us along the lines of our inheritance. I'd like you to turn with me to the book of Colossians, to Colossians chapter 3, just over through the book of Philippians, and then you'll come to the book of Colossians. If I can find it, my pages are sticking together. And I'd like you to go to verse 23 of chapter 3 of Colossians. Whatever you are doing, Christian, work at it with enthusiasm as to the Lord and not for people because you know, you know, you're, you're sure, you're certain. It's beyond a shadow of a doubt that you will receive your inheritance from the Lord, notice, as the what? A reward. See, that's why our inheritance is not our salvation. 
Our inheritance is the reward for the way you and I lived life, the way we managed life, the way we stewarded life, the the way we served him. Because then he goes on in the very next phrase to say, serve the Lord Christ. Because it is in our service and ministry and lives down here that we are earning, if you will, through our faithful service, what will our inheritance be in the kingdom? What role or responsibility will God entrust with us there based upon how we lived our lives here? So again, the inheritance is not our salvation. When Paul said to the Ephesians, some of you are in danger of never experiencing your inheritance, it's not talking about loss of salvation like many people think. Inheritance is our reward for God, by God for the way we've lived our lives. Salvation is simply a free gift based upon our faith in Christ. Then I'd like you to go to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm going to begin reading, actually, in verse 8. Because I want to sort of pick it up and so you see the context here. The one who plants and the one who waters works as one, but each will receive his reward according to his work. We are co-workers belonging to God. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. Someone else builds on it, and each one must be careful how he builds. For no one can lay any foundation other than what is being laid, which is Jesus Christ. But if anyone builds on that foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each builder's work will be plainly seen, for the day will make it clear. There's coming a day where God is going to evaluate our work. Now again, has nothing to do with our salvation has everything to do with our inheritance. And it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test what kind of work. Notice, not how much work. Because so many Christians go, I'm doing so much for God. God doesn't care as much about the quantity as the quality. What kind of work each has done. If what someone has done survives, he will receive a reward. If someone's work is burned up, notice, he will suffer loss. Now notice, it says, it differentiates and makes a distinction between our salvation and our reward. He said, look, he will be saved. In other words, he'll be part of the kingdom. He'll get into heaven, but he'll suffer loss. Because can only get there through this fire. What loss do we suffer? The loss of our inheritance. It's not the loss of material things, because as we've been learning on Wednesday night, we brought nothing into this world, we can carry nothing out. So it's not like, well, I'm losing out on the stuff because I can't take stuff with me in there anyway. So what do I lose? What do I lose if I'm saved and I get into the kingdom and and I get into heaven, but I'm losing that? What am I losing? Our inheritance, our reward, 
And Paul makes this very clear to the Ephesians. You as a Christian can lose out. You can miss out on your inheritance because you're not taking following Christ and being a Christian serious enough. You're, you're not making your spiritual life a priority. Then would you turn with me to 2 Timothy? 2 Timothy chapter 2. And we'll certainly get into these verses in several weeks from now as our study goes through 2 Timothy. But I want to direct your attention to verse 12 of chapter 2. If we endure, (laughs) that's the key for 2 Timothy. If we persevere, we will reign with him. But if we deny him, he will also deny us. He doesn't deny that he knows us. He doesn't deny that we're one of his children. What is he denying us? Our inheritance. You can't have it because you were not faithful. Is this not what Jesus taught over and over and over again in the parables? Jesus says, if you've been faithful in this, I'll give you this. If you were unfaithful in this, I will take that away from you and give it to the person that was faithful. Because salvation is not earned, but our inheritance and our role and responsibility and reward throughout eternity, that is earned. Would you also turn with me to the book of Revelation? Revelation chapter 2. I've got a couple in Revelation. Revelation chapter 2. Look at verse 26. And to the one who conquers and who continues in my deeds until the end, I will give him authority over the nation. Again, that's always been God's plan. I want my people to rule and reign. But folks, not every Christian who is part of the kingdom will be ruling and reigning. Not every Christian will be ruling and reigning. Only those who have been faithful followers and who continue and persevere and endure to the end, those will be the ones that get to rule and reign with Christ. And God says, don't you even care what plan and purpose and role I have for you? Just like I have this great potential that I build into you that I want to bring out of you now. I have that same dream for you later on. Won't you let me do that? Because in Christ's mind, I think every one of his children have the potential to rule and reign. See, that, that's the thing. That's the sad sort of part of this whole thing. I think if every Christian who ever lived really took their Christian life seriously, then once we got to the kingdom, everyone would be ruling and reigning. But the reality is that won't happen. Many Christians will simply be subjects in the kingdom, but have really no significant 
place, role, or responsibility in the kingdom. Because they didn't earn it. They, they never took their Christian life seriously. And then look over at Revelation 22, the very last chapter of the Bible. What's one of the last things God reminds his people of before his word is closed out? Jesus himself speaking here. Revelation 22, verse 12. Jesus says, look, I am coming soon. And my reward is with me when I come to pay each one according to what he has done. Now, God is very fair. He's very just. If we have lived a certain way and we deserve a certain something, God will say, oh my goodness. In fact, the Bible teaches that God will always bless us beyond what we really even deserve, even in that sense. Because remember in the parables, it says, Jesus says, well, if you've been faithful over five cities here, and it says just saying, you manage this amount of responsibility well here, I'll give you 10 in the kingdom. That's God. That's who God is. Because again, what's God want to see? He wants to see us reach our potential in him. He wants to see us be the rulers and reigners that he created us to be. And what's so sad today is so many Christians live without ever even scratching the surface of the potential God placed within them. They never do put on their super suit and really begin to discover who they could be in Christ. They never do live by their supernatural powers or abilities or enablement. They live with their head hung down rather than their head held high. They allow life to beat them down rather than rising above the circumstances of their life through Christ. And saying, I'm not going to let this or that or that person or this situation get the better of me. God created me to be an overcomer. And can I say this? Some of you may say, well... But I've blown it in the past or I'm blowing it now. Here's the cool thing. Just by the mere fact that God is speaking to all of us today, he's saying, well, don't quit. Don't give up. The last chapter hasn't been written about you or your life yet. You can still make a difference. You can still make the changes that need to be. It doesn't have to continue to be this way. Don't let the enemy keep you where you are. I'm speaking to you right now, God is saying. Respond to me and let's make your future look different. Let's make your inheritance look different. Because being an overcomer doesn't mean we never struggled with anything or we never sinned or we never failed or we never made any mistake. In fact, in the word overcomer, that Jesus talks about. That's who will rule and reign with me. It talks about overcoming all the things that come against us. And it's not that we're not going to struggle and have things come against us, but we learn in Christ to get back up and to say, God, my life isn't finished yet. And I'm not going to let the enemy or the world of darkness have the last word in my life. I'm going to let you, God, have the last word on my life. 
I'm going to respond to you now because you have given me this opportunity now. And now is the time to say, I want that inheritance. I want to know, God, what you have for me in that thousand-year reign of Christ on earth. I don't want to just be saved and suffer the loss of everything else because everything else that I put effort and energy into my life burned up on that day. I want something to survive. I want to be able to carry something into the kingdom. And if you were with us last Wednesday night at Bible study, you know what those things are that we can carry with us into the kingdom. Second John. First, second, third John, Jude, and then the book of Revelation. So just go back a few books to second John. And verse 8. There's only one chapter, so, you know, it's not like. Second John, verse 8. John says, watch out so that you do not lose the things we have worked for, but receive a full reward. See, even there, John says, guess what? Through our lives, we can lose the things that we've worked so hard for. I might get the glory one day and realize that, oh, what could have been, I missed out on. Because I allowed the world and my own flesh to pull me away from what really matters. And that's what God wants His people to get. He wants us to understand by messages like this in the Bible about our inheritance that how we live life really does matter, not just for now, but forever. That the choices and decisions and the way we live our lives here will matter in that thousand-year millennial reign of Christ. And that's why the Bible teaches that there will come a day, even then, When finally God will wipe every tear away from our eyes. Why will there be weeping? Because there will be many Christians who realize once they get there and it's too late. I wish I'd have lived my life differently. Look at what my inheritance could have been. But I won't, I won't get to experience it. Because I never took my spiritual life as seriously as I should. I never made God a priority in my life. I never really sought first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Jesus was never really my first love. And so, here it is. This is the truth. And you and I can stand or sit here today and we can go, "Uh, that Jeff, he he gets a little excited. I just don't buy it. I don't buy what he's selling me. That's fine. That's fine. Again, 
But you've got to understand from where I am at, God wanted me to share that with you today. Then how you respond is between you and God. And yeah, I do fear the condition of people's hearts out there and the people who will listen to this message on podcast. Because Jesus warns about that. Does he not in the parables? Where he says, there's four kinds of soil that represent men's hearts that hear my word. But only one is ever fruitful and responds properly. The other three, no. One is a hard heart that is so hard that the word of God can't even penetrate at all. And maybe that's some of you today. You have come here, your heart is locked down and locked in. And though the word of God is going out, it's just bouncing off your heart and not making any penetration at all. Others of you, Jesus says, your heart is vulnerable. You, you listen more to the other voices and things around you than you do to my voice. And so therefore, you, you listen to it for a while. You respond immediately, but it doesn't really stick. Because again, it never really penetrates. And then Jesus says, and then there's the other kind of heart. It's distracted. Sort of like Martha you got so many irons in the fire and your life is hither and yon and going that, that the thoughts of you really centering your life in God, that's, yeah, I'm, i got to do this and i got to do that. and Well, this is important and that. Important. And God wants us to finally go, but you know what, God? You're the most important. Distracted heart. Only one. Only one heart. Jesus says, truly received my word when they heard it and let it penetrate down deep so that it brought forth fruit. My hope and prayer today is that instead of hard and vulnerable and distracted hearts here today, that many, many of our hearts will truly receive what God has said to us today. Would you stand with me as we pray and our worship team comes? Father God, you have an inheritance for us. Do we ever think about it? Do we ever live in light of it? Do we even care? God, I pray today that this message on our inheritance would wake some of us up. That it would stir us. That it would inspire us. That it would motivate us like never before. And God, may we realize that maybe I'm not in a good place right now. Maybe I've even walked away. Maybe I failed you miserably. But, but help me to realize, God, it's not too late. This whole inheritance thing can be turned around because you've given me the opportunity to hear this message today and I can respond in such a positive way that the rest of my life looks different and so will my inheritance. Because you never give up on us, God. You never stop pursuing us. You always want us to realize the potential that you placed within us and the wonderful plans and purposes and inheritance and role and responsibility that you have planned for us, God, not just now, but throughout eternity. God, right now, may our heart 
respond to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.